you wield this power with authority. Yeah, you. Yeah, I feel like even when you and I are just like hanging out in person, there's a little bit of you that's ready for a good game segment at the drop of a hat. <laughs> Video Game Podtimism, the optimist video game variety show where two best friends talk about the wonderful world of gaming. Uh, my name is Chase. And my name is David. It's a season of change, my friend. Yes, change is in the air. You can smell it. It smells like a new room. David has moved, and so the, the background is very different than I'm used to, but it seems like probably a better deal. You were like literally in a closet last <laughs> for the past two years of recording this? It was two, two and a half. Yeah. It was a real Harry Potter situation. It's literally underneath the stairs. It's under your stairs, yeah. Under the stairs. Very cramped. We get so hot. Just yeah. the heat from the computer would make that place so warm. But I was living in a studio lofted bedroom condo with my girlfriend and well, we've moved now and now we have a house, a whole house. So the pod chamber has been upgraded to a pod layer. (laughs) What's the, how's the vibe in there? What does it feel like? Well, the the walls are a nice like burnt orange. They are. Yeah. So the vibe is groovy. I hope that means we get to talk about, oh God, the only thing my brain conjured when I thought about a groovy video game is Gex, unfortunately. We literally (laughs) talked about him in the intro one episode ago. We have to... We have to go longer than this. Yeah, we mu- we must have a conscious uncoupling with Gex because yeah. he's ruling our life. Oh, at least it's better than what I thought of, which was laser laser shoot, laser shoot, laser leisure suit, Larry. <laughs> what is wrong with my S's today? Leisure suit, Larry. Yes. Leisure shoot, Larry was the gritty <laughs> reboot in the two thousands. <laughs> <laughs> His underwear now just has pistols on it. It's just Duke Nukem. We're just ex- describing Duke Nukem, I think. <laughs> Leisure Suit Larry meets Duke Nukem. That's a game. That is a game. It's, it's just definitely it's, a video game. It's just game. Duke Nukem, though. <laughs> <laughs> so last week, we a- AJ and Kim graciously came to talk to us about video games, but mm. uh, it's, it's just you and me now, baby. <laughs> I gotta hear what's going on with you. It's just the two of us. We can game it if we try. Just the two of us. <laughs> I don't know if the the timbre was quite right on that one. No, it was off. It was. I'm yeah. still getting used to the acoustics in this room. So cut me yeah, some yeah, slack, yeah, yeah. please, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, well. Anyways, yeah. Um, I have been moving. Yeah. Pretty feverishly for the past week yeah. or so. Sure. So I haven't had a chance to play too much in the way of video games uh, besides yeah, yeah. the one we're going to talk about today, and totally. also still uh, some Zelda still in it. Of course. It's and I, I I confessed last week to my my gaming sin and and <laughs> Mr Miyamoto <laughs> came through my ceiling with a gun to, to yeah, take me yeah. out. But Zelda is still so fun. I do have yeah. one thing to remark on. What is going on with the great fairies? Have you seen this, Chase? Yeah, I I upgraded my armor. I know what you're talking about. Did you go all the way to the final level with one of them? Yes, it's bizarre. It's a it's a very strange cutscene that they present to you. Yes, and they're they get progressively more horny. These these yeah. fairies. Yeah. <laughs> It's a very, it's very, I don't know what to make of it, I think is what it comes down to. It's confusing. I don't know if there's something lost in translation culturally. Sure. The For like an otherwise like nearly perfect game, there's some weird shit in there. 
especially the I always had a hard time playing it on the TV whenever I talked to an NPC who would just sort of like moan at me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh. It, yeah, it's so strange. Why is that what they have to sound like? You know, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I feel like they probably just reuse a lot of the voice files from like five years ago when Breath of the Wild came probably, out. Probably, you know, power to them. It was it was a different expectation back then, I guess, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But yes, I, I agree. And one other thing I'd like to say about the game is sure. that I am now a tamer of Lionels. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, you crossed the bridge. I crossed the bridge. Yeah. I decided that it was time to upgrade my soldier's armor all the way. And to do yes. that, I had to kill Lionels. Mm-hmm. And I did it. It seems it was great. so intimidating until the moment you're done with it and you're like, I could kill an army of Lionels. Yeah. No one can step to me. Yeah. No, they're not They're not too terrible, honestly. Yeah. You just got to have the right weapon. Those and like the three-headed dragon dudes, for the beginning of the game, I was like, I am not going anywhere near those guys. Yeah. What are they called? The Gleox. The Gleox, yeah. I was just like not about it but then i was like okay it can't be that bad and they did kick my ass pretty heartily for a while but like Mm -hmm. once you figure out what like gets them it's not too bad you just kind of have to be like prepared for what they're gonna throw at you exactly yeah i think that's the next thing on my on my list is get a gliok it's possible it's totally totally Mm -hmm. within your within your power i also killed a molduga molduga that's the big sandfish oh for whatever reason i didn't fuck with molduga in this one i saw him and i'm like no i don't think i'm gonna fight you this time that's super fair they're very intimidating they like shake (laughs) the ground when you're when you're close to them yeah and then you'll see them moving and they'll hit rock where you're standing on in the the sand desert there and it's just very intimidating because then you can't see them moving reminds me of tremors a lot of tremors oh wow the tremors deep cut my family's big on tremors i'll say that right now i feel like i watch tremors a lot at your house i've seen at least four of the tremors movies yeah shouts out kevin bacon though they don't get better that's for sure no no it's kind of they they started with the best one and then the rest are okay i guess it depends on what you view as better though yeah because if you're looking for just a campy time they might get better because in the third one they have tremors that will fly through the air by igniting their gas sure yeah call them ass blasters in the movie anyways um that's what I think of when I see Moldugas. Yeah, it's just been, I've ha- been having a good time fighting just the, the creatures of the world and upgrading yeah. my my gear, uh, having a good time doing that. It's been fun. And then also just harvesting their 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 great weapons, their, their uh, mm-hmm. fusible items to attach to my, to my stuff. And I also didn't realize that ancient arrows just evaporate pe- things. <laughs> so that was surprising yeah. when I, when I did that the first time I was like, wait, where'd it go? Just yeah, a one hit, one hit kill, no problem. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and I also got Midna's helmet, which was tight. I love, I love oh, a good yeah. little Easter egg like that. I don't even know if you call it an Easter egg, but like a throwback, a callback, something else. It's it like the presence of that stuff is so strange, and like I feel like it's really easy to go like lore head on it and be like, why is everything in this one unified place? And I like, I I don't think that Zelda, this video game, is going to offer you an answer. Yeah. I think they're just like, wouldn't it be sick if you had like the wind the t- wind waker tunic or whatever exactly it's, it's fine <laughs> the answer is the multiverse the multiverse is hot right now people are suspecting that these uaps are multi-dimensional beings so yeah. the multiverse is real the multiverse is real everybody uh anyways that's that's all i have to say about zelda right now um cool but i think the next i've now i've said this a couple times already <laughs> but now i feel like i'm finally ready to fight ganon because i also finally patched back together lurelin village uh which is something i was sure. wanting to do yeah so i think all of the side quests that i've wanted to try are now finito 
Oh, Ashley, sure. I lied. I have to go and finish the the pen quests, the Gazette, the yeah, Gazette yeah, stuff. Yeah. I want to do that first, and then I'll fight Ganon. Sure, Ganondorf, I should say. <laughs> but we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm excited to see how this game ends. I'm very yeah. curious. Also, one one thing I will just say: Link knows what has happened to Princess Zelda, and he's just not telling anyone. It's very strange. There's a couple of points where I'm like, I feel like this could have helped a little bit. It's just, it just seems. I guess there's a little little narrative dissonance right there. Sure. Yeah. Because the whole entire there's a, a standing quest: find Princess Zelda. I've done it. Yeah. Why is that quest not done? But I guess maybe there's more to be seen who knows i haven't we'll beat have the game until yet, you beat it, so though. we'll find out anyways chase what have you been playing i've been playing video games man i've been playing a lot of them nice i'm excited to tell you next week about the banished vault which is an incredible video game <laughs> but i've like i've played so many things that i need to uh-huh. kind of like talk about these first before they exit my memory mm, you're triaging right now yes I'm, I'm like i'm going to play more of the uh the banished vault which is an incredible mm. video game and you should check it out if you haven't heard of this but there's a few that i need to talk about but you know, like i said before i forget them uh-huh so two weeks ago i wax poetic for 45 minutes about bioshock <laughs> sure did well i played bioshock too david ah nice <laughs> yeah so what to say about this one did you ever play this one did you play bioshock too I did not play Bioshock 2. Uh, I, yeah. might have, I might have rented it off Gamefly and like dipped my toes in. Yeah. But I don't know. I remember the v- the reviews at the time were very much mixed on it. Yeah. People, uh, I think I remember a lot of the reviewers saying it just felt like a retread. Not much new. Because it's like the big sister is in this one. Is that what it is? Yes. That, is that what it says? Right. Okay. So a little more agile version of the big daddy from the first one. Correct. So I, I, I just remember it being not as enticing as bioshock yeah. one was it's so it's so strange to me that that is the review the like because I, I read those two and i remember at the time being like okay maybe i won't dig into this and i i think i had the same experience too of like maybe i played it maybe i didn't i'm not really sure mm-hmm. this is so good it's just such a good bioshock game it's, it's so good okay did ken levine do it too or was it just no it was someone it, else yeah, it was, uh, it was, I think it was still built by 2K, mm-hmm. but uh, Irrational Games wasn't involved in it. They were like currently building Bioshock Infinite when when this came out. Gotcha. And I think like just to, before we like actually get into the game, I, I feel like at in, yeah, so it came out in 2010, February 9th of 2010. Wow. And like, I feel like around that time, there was still a lot of hesitancy around like sequels and just like cash grab shooting games mm. because that was coming out a lot at the time. Sure. Um, and I don't feel like the industry really shook that until kind of the middle of the that decade. Yeah. And so, uh, it, yeah, I feel like it, it kind of got like swept up in that part of the marketing at the time people were just kind of like cast it off as like well there's no way that this is really going to be as interesting ken levine's not involved it's not made by irrational so therefore it can't be that good and having played them like really back to back at this point i i played bioshock one really recently and uh, obviously this one's also very recent this game is really really good and i'm so shocked that it's characterized as like a cash grab or not as good as the original and I, I think I understand where people are coming from with some of those criticisms. Like you, you don't get this game without the first one, right? It is heavily reliant on the like rapture, the place from mm-hmm. the first one and a lot of the concepts from it. But I, I really feel like it's tackling different shit than the first one did. So just for, for those of uh, you who haven't played this game, uh, first of all, I would say probably check out the first one first because it like the context matters. Yeah. And maybe listen to two episodes ago where we talked about it. Ch- Chase talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so where I talked about it and David every now and then said, hmm. Uh, 
<laughs> Interesting point. <laughs> ah, yes. But this one essentially takes place eight years after the first game, and you are playing as a big daddy named Subject Delta. It is unclear mm. who Delta is, really, especially in the beginning of the game. But uh, essentially, the, the first cutscene has you wandering through like a party in 1958 in Rapture, and you wake up in 1968, so 10 years later. Mm. You were like kind of killed but because of the uh something bi- bio some things it's the place where people respawn in oh yeah sure because of those you, you yeah you were able to be brought back and in between that time is when like rapture really fell to shit right the first one takes place in 1960 i think mm-hmm. and like 58 is right when like the civil war between R- ryan and fontaine was was happening mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you know shit has really fallen to pieces but rapture is now under the control of this woman named sophia lamb and while you had been like gone essentially during these 10 years she had built this like kind of like grassroots collectivist organization in opposition to andrew ryan and obviously mm-hmm he died in the first one and so did fontaine like as a result of you in, in in the game sure which left this like almost power vacuum where lamb could take over and it is like fascinating the way that they position her in this game because she's so diametrically opposed to everything that andrew ryan was espousing right like is she like, is she like a hippie you said like a collectivist gra- grassroots yeah. kind of person it's it definitely is playing on kind of like the like hippie movement um i think there's like a, a lot of Karl Marx in the stuff that she talks about. Yeah, communism. Yeah, and like that is a fascinating way to approach this because like the city was built with this like rugged capitalism in mind, and so mm-hmm. like what what happens when somebody who is coming in with a different ideology what ha- what happens to the city then, right? Sure. Which is all really really interesting, and I, I think like on first blush, like just that description, I might hear that and be like, oh boy, I hope there's no like right wing propaganda in the. <laughs> in this um, video game and somehow it manages to not really do that i think like left-wing propaganda (laughs) it's uh, i mean uh, you know a little bit Uh, for most (laughs) of the game every time sophia lamb had like a a audio diary that i was listening to i'm like she's fucking spitting man like (laughs) the, the stuff she's talking about i'm like yeah dude this is like, one of Bernie's it. top five games. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, again, it's 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 mostly collectivist. So it is. You know, we we need to be able to take care of people. Just because someone doesn't have like money doesn't mean that they're not like worthy or or should be treated with dignity or anything like that. Yeah. And uh, there's also these like amazing like audio logs, which I think are like critical to the understanding of what this game is saying, at least politically, between. Andrew Ryan and Sophia Lamb, they like hosted debates essentially mm. and they recorded these. I've got one that I would love to share for you because they're like fascinating. White is not black, Dr. Lamb. Down is not up and straw is not gold. Look around you. Rapture is no miracle. It is a product of reason. Impossible unless one and one are two and A equates to A. And yet, alone, each man is a prisoner to bias, dream, delusion, or the pain of a phantom limb. To one man, they are as real as rain. Reality is consensus, and the people are losing faith. Take a walk, Andrew. It is raining in rapture. And you have simply chosen not to notice. Damn. It's so good. I love that shit. <laughs> That's pretty good. 
It's really good because it shows you a in in one like quick little breath like here's what Andrew Ryan is about. Even if you didn't play the first one, you kind of get what he's doing there. Yeah. And also shows like opposition in a way where I'm like, yeah, man, Mm -hmm. like reality is subjective and someone's perception is a lot of what they live with. You know, Mm -hmm. there is no like objective reality. Sure. And so it's good. I, I, I like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, of course, uh, uh, Sophia Lamb is like the bad guy in this one. Yeah. And so I think the game is doing something really interesting where in the first one, Andrew Ryan was a bad dude, but it was like his ideology that built this place that was kind of the rot at a lot of the core of this, because mm-hmm. a lot of people were following that. They're saying like, I'm also going to do this. Yeah. There, there's all the people like the the doctors in the first ones who are like fucking people up. Like they believed in Andrew Ryan's idea. And so that's what led them to do all these fucked up things. Whereas with Sophia Lamb, I think she, I think believes in something that's correct, but she twists it in a way that benefits her. Right. Mm. Because essentially what she's doing is she has got all these people onto her side and she's like running along with this plan that I don't think I'll probably spoil, but like what she's planning on doing is selfish in nature right like what she's trying to do is mostly to protect her and her daughter eleanor which is uh kind of one of the major characters in this game Mm -hmm. which is really really cool and interesting and not what bioshock one was doing it it turns it turns the the self-righteous kind of selfishness into like compassion gone awry almost yes like and that's exactly what happens right like she's trying to protect eleanor yeah and she's so willing to do that that she manipulates these people with like righteous ideology but still manipulates them yeah there's uh you run into a lot of people in this game that are part of her quote-unquote family she what does she call them uh yeah the rapture family it's like a, a essentially just people who are kind of on her side who are her followers mm-hmm. rap fam <laughs> the rap fam and essentially you you a lot of the time will have to choose if you what to do with them right it's like it's usually not that hard to just like not kill these people <laughs> it's it's again like the the decisions in this one are, are similar in the first one you also have to choose whether or not to harvest the the little sisters after you mm-hmm. beat the the big daddies but usually it's like the the first time you do it the person who you're deciding what to do with it seems like maybe they were just kind of misled right mm. like they they think that you are the bad guy you as as subject delta are just like objectively a bad dude and so by not uh, by sparing them you're opening the possibility of like maybe you're not who i thought you were right mm. it does get a little bit harder as the game goes on because there's some real shitheads that are like a part of her family sure quote unquote and like uh, unfortunately because i knew that there were multiple endings i was like well not gonna kill you sure I, I do want that good ending but i think the the game makes this point about like you being in regards to your your children you're the the sum of your decisions right your children mm. will judge you based on what you do which is a fascinating thing to communicate in a game that doesn't tell you that immediately yeah your your ending is very based on whether or not you choose to spare these people and how you treat the little uh the little sisters mm-hmm. and like in the first one that for whatever reason it just felt very mechanical the way that that worked it was like i saw the machine doing that yeah. And as much as I do in this one, I think they hammer it home in a way that makes more sense. Mm. The 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 sum of all your decisions reflecting back on your child and then that di- dictates to them, who am I going to be? Well, here's my model and how do I want to reflect on that? Yeah. It's really, really interesting. And again, very different than what was going on in Bioshock 1. So it's very strange to see these reviews that are like, it's the same, right? I think 
It is. It takes place in the same location. Yes. The the mechan- like mechanically it is similar, but I wouldn't say the same. Mm. The shooting feels like much better in this one, and like smoother. Uh, a little smoother. Yeah. I, I think like the the weapons that they give you because you're a big daddy, you get to you know, like use different shit. Um. You also have like this the spinning Man. like blade thing a time before the word daddy wasn't sexualized in the mainstream it's every time i say it i'm like you you little freak huh um but but subject d (laughs) so the the mechanics of it are very similar but they're i think they are differentiated enough that it doesn't feel terrible you can also like unlike the first one use a gun in one hand and a plasmid in the other whereas in the other one you had to like equip one at a time and so it does make combat a little bit faster paced which is neat i i, I think that a lot of a, a lot of that goes a long way mm-hmm. so anyway point being I, I think that this game is doing a lot of different stuff and i think especially thematically uh-huh. I, I love that like family is a big thing that they're exploring like Ooh. you you know you being in opposition to uh, Sophia Lamb uh, you are looking for this person Eleanor mm. you are in the position of daddy and mm. like the there's all the like every person in this game has some audio log where they're talking about family right they're ju- they're just it, it keeps coming up. Dominic Toretto's in it. Dominic Toretto's in it. He makes an appearance. He crashes his car through Rapture and he's like, I'm getting you guys out of here. (laughs) I heard you got a good family down here. (laughs) Even like in the beginning, Andrew Ryan's talking about like, yeah, my wife wants me to have a kid. I'm just not really sure if it's for me or whatever, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. So you you get that that sort of like theme of family. Um, I think you get this response to a lot of ideas that are that are present in one. Mm-hmm. which feels cool i like i just love it when video games attempt to either deconstruct or address things that happened in a previous entry mm. you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. metal gear solid 2 does this amazingly with all the stuff that they're doing in regard to how they almost like criticize who the player thought they were in the first one who snake thought he was sure oh that's really good and you know i i think that all of these games have something that they're saying about agency and identity mm. to varying degrees of effectiveness Sure. I think that the first ones, it is the message is there. I don't know if it's executed perfectly. It, it in comparison to 2023, I think that there, there's there's just things that do it better now. Sure. The the like the Stanley Parable comes to mind, or like Near Automata, or something like that, where like mm. how much agency do you actually have here, and what what does that matter? Yeah. And so like you know to go back to the black and white idea of you're either going to make the psychopathic choice of killing this little girl, or you're going to make the just normal one um, <laughs> of saving her. <laughs> the no choice choice yeah it, it it just doesn't really feel like that that big of an impact but like i said i i think the what they're saying about agency in this one does hit a little harder and uh like spoilers i just played through infinite like i, I finished that yesterday my goodness you're a, you're a machine man i just when, whenever i get like a bee in my bonnet about playing through a whole series i can't stop that's impressive the stamina um, i'm also not like moving houses right now so <laughs> That probably helps. And like, I think, God, that game is complicated, but I don't think the agency thing is particularly hard hitting in that one either. Mm. It's present. And I, I like, I, I think that there's, there is value in attempting to say something about it. But like I said, I just think after having time to, to look at this against a lot of other stuff, like there's just stuff that does it a little bit better. Anyway, I maybe like this one more than Bioshock one, which I know is like mm. kind of a wild thing to feel, but I just feel like there's so much to chew on in here. Sure. That it's it's just it it feels it felt really good to play through this one. Mm. Yeah. 
Bioshock 2 fucking good, man. Do you think some of that might be because like the Ayn Rand stuff and that philosophy is just so kind of hard to digest um, with your with mean, your personal beliefs comparatively? I don't I honestly don't think so because uh Infinite does stuff like that too, and it is so much more painful <laughs> to, to play through. <laughs> sure. And like in in kind of sitting with the 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 first one, I actually kind of like what they said about like how this ideology works because that has played out in in a similar fashion right like sure tell me if you've heard this one before but a right-wing ideological group of people do something and they they're in power for a little while and then a shithead grifter comes in to take over uh, that person's power and Mm. appeals to kind of a similar group of people right sure that that feels real to me (laughs) and in a very modern sense, right? Mm. Like I, I, I get how if there is somebody who's running a grift that that would appeal to this group of people who are like rugged individualists. Yeah. So I, I like that. And I think that like there, there, it, it is a little painful to like hear about it. But again, in comparison to infinite where it's like, it is so in your face with that shit mm. and in a way that isn't handled well in, in a lot of situations, uh, the first one feels like, uh, like I'm being hit with shit that I don't agree with, but that's like not really that big of a problem. It's yeah. like, I feel like the, just the sheer state of rapture is an endorsement enough of like, this clearly doesn't work. Yeah. It indicts it. Yeah, correct. So I've also been playing Pikmin 4, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and now for something completely different. Listener, what you didn't just hear is 15 minutes of me going over why Bioshock Infinite is tough ethically. But uh, let's talk about Pikmin 4 instead for a second. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about Bio- Bioshock Infinite eventually. I just need to like put a better pin on it. Are there big scary birds in Pikmin 4 too? Uh, there are actually a couple of big scary Ooh. birds. Um, big scary birds are terrifying. I had a recurring nightmare as a child that a big bird would chase me down in my my parents' minivan and would get me. Oh my god, Jim Henson, where the fuck? Oh, I need him to take some responsibility for this, <laughs> right? You created Big Bird. Scared me. Scared child. Anyways, continue. Anyways, okay. So Pikmin Four. I played Pikmin One recently for one of the episodes. Yes, and I enjoyed my time with it. I think that there is something compelling about that model that they put put out mm-hmm. as i said then I, i'll sort of reiterate here that it is nintendo's take on a real-time strategy game which is like just sort of fascinating in a descript in a description yeah like that seems like almost an impossible task especially for like a controller you know absolutely playing starcraft on n64 was not fun you really needed a mouse for that thing oh i forgot they released it for n64 <laughs> oh <did>. my gosh <laughs> yeah i can only imagine the number of different button combinations you'd have to do to do different things it was challenging it it, like it's hard on a modern controller even after we're kind of used to the like floating cursor from destiny like yeah it's still tough i mean i just remember playing what was it city skyline on a controller that was tough yes anyway it's hard continue so uh, just the idea there is really interesting and i think in one it it felt like they're like yes like this is a fun concept and they are taking things that are fun about the rts the real-time strategy genre and putting them into a console game you'd be hard-pressed to look at an rts game put it up against pikmin and say like yes these are definitely the same things but there are elements right there there are Mm -hmm. similar things in there 
Anyway, they've put out two other entries, uh, two and three. I played a little bit of two, but didn't bring it to the show. And then I remember playing a little bit of three, but I didn't. it didn't really leave that huge of an impact on me. Cut to them releasing four. And like, I was a little bit hesitant because like they were talking about like more Pikmin and bigger spaces. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I, like I don't know, man, that does sound kind of complicated. And like mm-hmm. whenever a game is advertising the complexity that it's going to bring, I'm like, oh God, I'm, I'm kind of dumb yeah. sometimes. <laughs> like, I don't know if I need all that. That sounds like a lot of reading dude (laughs) i came here to lead not to read (laughs) exactly yes however four goes pretty fucking hard and i Mm. really really like it hard on the reading no hard in the paint Oh, nice. It's really good is what I'm saying. Okay, so it keeps the core loop that you have in one of you're this person on a foreign planet and you're very tiny and you're collecting quote unquote treasures, which are just like kind of discarded items that are much bigger than you, like bottle caps and shit like that, that are Mm -hmm. the size of, you know, 10 of yourself and bringing that back to your ship, uh, which you can then use as like a resource. In the first game, it's you're you're playing as Olimar who's trying to get off of the planet. um, And something that the first one has that this one does not is this like ticking time bomb a little bit where if you in the first one, if you don't get off the planet, if you don't like beat the game essentially in 30 days in game, you lose. Like, Olimar, like, dies. Which is kind of fucked up. Oh my gosh, yeah. He essentially gets stranded. I actually think you can get off the planet with a lot fewer parts than is advertised, but still, like, I, I think that game was offering a an argument for replayability, saying, mm. like, hey, here's, you, you kind of have to perfect this loop that we've got you going on. Ooh, a roguelike. Yeah, almost, right? It, Close. It's, I, I think that the, the loop is larger, right? Like, it's not yeah. as quick as something like Hades, where you're playing multiple runs in, like, a couple hours, but mm-hmm. it, it, it did say, like, the the enjoyment here is in perfection is replaying this and getting it right right it's it's almost an ftl kind of thing but like much longer whereas in this one that's not there you, there's still this day night cycle where like you only have a certain amount of time when you start a quote unquote day in the game to go out and do shit Mm-hmm. But you can come back and there's no real threat of like in 30 days, the, the uh, your spaceship's going to blow up and you'll never get out, get out. Sure. Spooky. Yeah. So it immediately is just a little bit more relaxing, which I like quite a bit. Yeah, it's good. The, the thrust of the story is that like Olimar has sent out an SOS. He crash landed on another planet. I think that he was exploring and he sent out this SOS. And so you play as one of the like rescue squadron that gets dispatched to go find him and uh, rescue him. Cool. You you do like a very simple like character creator in the beginning of the game. Oh, uh, of, love of just making some really goofy looking guys. Weird little guy. A weird little guys, like really weird looking little guys. It's really mm. fun. Now I know why you like it. <laughs> it's got a weird little guy in it. And so, uh, of course, you and like seven other squad mates or whatever go out. And uh, of course, your ship also crash lands on this planet. And you are the first person to sort of like get consciousness and figure out like, oh, shit, I need to save some people. So the first like little bit is just you finding uh your your teammates and being like hey what's going on we need to find everybody you also get like in the running for one of the best characters in gaming this year ochi a tiny tiny like dog creature oh i've seen pictures of this dog so good oh what a sweet pooch is is very good He's very cute. He's clearly like a dog analog. He's not the same size at all, but like, good man, this is so good. He's like panting and barking and like mm. doing dog shit. It's so good. Ochi for Smash. Ochi, Ochi for Smash, actually, though. <laughs> anyway, so the when the game loop actually starts, you essentially have this like base that is your ship that crash landed that you're trying to repair, right? And so you are, are tasked to go out and collect 
treasures so that you can convert them into working parts. Mm. And of course, you've got your Pikmin that show up pretty much immediately. You initially just get like the the red and yellow ones. Uh, the red is kind of like your standard issue Pikmin and the yellow ones you can throw a little bit higher than normal. Mm-hmm. I think they're better at digging. And the game opens up and gives you like a pretty big area uh-huh. to explore, mm. which initially I was like, "Ooh, I don't know if I'm, I feel a little intimidated by that, but because the game isn't on this ticking time bomb, it's really nice. Mm. It's, it's really fun to just like see this wide area that you can kind of like go and just explore mm. at your own pace. Breath of the Pikmin? A little bit, right? Like I, 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 I think you would be hard pressed to compare them directly. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but like i think it is relying on a a similar sense of curiosity mm. of like cool. i see that there is something over mm-hmm. there and there's a thing in my way right like either it's i can't jump up there high enough because ochi can jump of course amazing Oof. what can't that dog do but really though he's, he's so helpful either it's too high to jump or it is across a bit of water that i can't cross yet or there's a bridge that is half built and i need to figure out how to build the rest of it right Mm-hmm. And so it, it just offers you a bunch of avenues to go and explore, um, which I think is just like so satisfying. I found the first one like a pretty stressful video game, all things considered. Sure. Yeah. Whereas I'm playing this one before bed as like a wind down game because essentially mm. all I'm doing is just like, okay, here's this like, I haven't even mentioned it yet. Beautiful area. Like it's so pretty what they've done with this game. They've they've nailed that like small aesthetic so well. Sure. Of like the water is gorgeous and all these little trinkets are amazing and the the like tilt shift shift effect that they have in the background say, like yeah. really hits hard. It makes it look so tiny. I love the tilt shift. It works so well in these kind of situations where it's trying to emphasize or communicate size to you. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so good. So yeah, I, I love all that. There's also these like areas where you can essentially go down like underground kind of, and mm-hmm. there will be more like bespoke levels that you have to do down there where there's like, okay, there's three treasures in this area and there's like kind of a couple of puzzles here of how do I get this one thing down, which will open up a new avenue for me to get all the treasures and then go to the next level, right? Which are all really good. It feels a little bit more like a traditional game in that sense and mm. that there's, there's specific areas that you have to go to and there's a linear path through it. And there's a lot of those. So like every one of them is a little bit different, which is cool. Those are all great. Uh, what I got, there's this part of the game that is all new and there's these little like leaf guys. Ooh. They kind of look like actual pick men, like oh. men who are turned into pick pickmen. Pick pickmen men? Pickman men. Pickman man. They will sometimes offer you these things called Dandori challenges. Mm. Uh, maybe. I, I, I haven't confirmed this because whenever I Google Dandori, Pikmin comes up, so I have no way of knowing uh-huh. if this is an actual Japanese concept, but can some like online they say they're like it's a thing in Japan of Dandori is like the the art of being efficient. Oh sure. Okay. Which is like that seems like a ding boy concept if I ever heard one, but <laughs> Your eye, your eyes got a little wild when you said that. I think Miyamoto seems like a might, ding boy concept. I heard one. <laughs> I think Miyamoto may be transmitting directly to my brain when he said that word. <laughs> so essentially, what these challenges are is they can either be a race to collect as much shit as you possibly can, or a head-to-head competition to like play out the loop of Pikmin. So you'll like go up against this other kind of person where you initially start with like very few Pikmin and uh, the objective is to collect more treasures than your opponent, which oftentimes means like breaking down a wall with some of your Pikmin while some are fighting another one to get more of them to pull down like a strawberry off of uh, some ledge or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I fucking love this part of the game. 
Yeah. It, it feels like the closest to an actual RTS that the game gets. Sure. Which is so cool that they managed to do that. And in the same way that Neon White, and we've talked about this before, Neon White was a, it gave you the feeling of speed running, despite mm-hmm. maybe not being an actual, you know, world record that you're setting. It, yeah. it, it gave you the same sense of satisfaction that speedrunners get from speed running mm-hmm. in a game that is for people who are more casual. Yeah. I think that this game gives you the satisfaction of playing against someone in an RTS without actually having you do that. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of like learning build orders in Starcraft and shit like that of like mm. here's what here's where the meta is at and like <sighs> here's three options that you can choose to like sure. beat your opponents like you either have to build this many zerglings and then this many hydralisks and then from there you can maybe attack but you have to do it in so many seconds or else you're kind of fucked and so this wow. game is kind of relying on that in a similar sense but it's not horribly stressful like playing starcraft 2 <laughs> Yeah, I just think that is such a cool concept to get in an in a Nintendo game. It, it's it's so impressive that they have managed to translate that to Pikmin. Mm-hmm. I was reading through Emily Price's review of this on Polygon, and she had mentioned that like there's a, a connection to Factorio in in a similar sense, <laughs> which you know I love. I love that shit. Chase is here. I'm here, and I I see what she was saying there. I, I think that like there's there's certainly games that are closer, but the same sense of satisfaction is there of like, I am building this like machine that I need to hone. Mm-hmm. And I think Factorio is over a much longer window of time, whereas Pikmin is like, I need to hone this now for this Dandori challenge, right? Yeah. Like, I got to do this right in this instant to figure it out. And like, you're doing it a lot more often, which is cool. I think that it, it's just such a neat thing to be able to communicate in a video game. Yeah. I love that part of the game. Hell yeah. Cool. I will say that these these levels are pretty big. I've been playing it for a while and I'm only on like the third level. Mm-hmm. They're all very like different and they have a lot of different like topographical differences between them, right? Cool. Like one of them is a forest. One of them is more of a beach. Mm. And uh, I, I just think all that stuff is really cool. There, there's a lot of creativity on display there. I also, the characters aren't amazing, but I like that they're there. Okay. All of them are pretty goofy and like... I, I was hearing on uh, the besties that they didn't really care for them. And I, I think I understand what they're saying, but like, it's it's not like these are three houses levels of writing or like last of us writing, but sure. I'm, I'm happy that they're there because I think the first one and a lot of the Pikmin games feel exceptionally isolating. And I, I think intentionally so, right? Like mm-hmm. you are supposed to feel like it's me out here and it's only me and I got to figure it out. Whereas like they always play a little like horn and at the beginning of the day and everybody comes out and like talks to each other and they're like, here's our missions and we're going to rescue everybody. Of course, the the twist on the game is that like there are many people on this planet that have crash landed more than just Aldemar. Sure. And so you're rescuing people constantly. And like it's it, it it's just amazing. Like I think that they are able to build this kind of like sense of community there, which is welcome in, yeah. in a in a game where you are fighting against the elements of a of a foreign place. Nintendo's all about the the squad coming through this year with a uh, Tears of the Kingdom as well in the stages. Oh yeah, true, true. Yeah, I, I I really like that motif that they're bringing up here because you know, man, it feels it feels good to have friends, you know. <laughs> Truth. So yeah, Pikmin Four. Uh, I will almost certainly beat this game. I hear it's got a pretty good ending, weirdly enough. So huh. I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Interesting. A good yeah. ending for a Pikmin game. I don't think I a Pikmin know, game yes. is having a story for the most part. Me neither. And like, uh, th- like I presume the ending is just like, we did it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> the confetti falls. <clears throat> Olimar's yeah. back. Yay. The king returns. 
Ganondorf is no more. Ganondorf is no more. Ganon, Ganon Bug. Ganon Bug is no more. Maybe Luke. Ochi is actually the final boss. You have to kill, oh, kill the pooch. I would shut the game off. That would be enough for me. Ochi. They are actually mistranslating. It's actually Orochi. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, this will bring me to my podmistic thing of the week, David. Which is? Bad voice acting, David. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that's I, a good one there there is a time where bad voice acting detracts from a game and there is a time <laughs> when bad voice acting really really helps a game yeah <laughs> and uh we got we got one of those in a second here. we got like, one for <laughs> for sure I, I feel like this this used to be a complaint about video games and uh i get that right it it, it does detract a little bit from the immersion mm-hmm. of a video game but i don't think immersion is always the end-all be-all right absolutely and so and sometimes i can just like as a person see like this feels like a community theater version of a video game yeah and that is so fucking good and cool it's campy it's so good yeah yeah so yeah bad i i shouldn't even say bad but like voice acting that maybe doesn't match the mood of the video game yes yes or Over, overly, dra- overly dramatic voice acting <laughs> yeah you know you've we, we've all played oblivion we know what this looks like yeah yeah <laughs> Hey, what Patrick Stewart was in that game, you watch yourself. Listen, Patrick Stewart was putting on a clinic for the rest of the people who are just Hello there. My name is Pinkle Stiff Bungledong, and I'm going to give you a sword and a quest. Goodbye. Pinkle Stiff Bungledong? Yeah, you know, everyone's favorite character. <laughs> the steward of Uriel Septum. <laughs> yeah, that was he's one of the guards that came with him in the beginning of the game. Hello. Oh, man. I mean, I mean, I guess they're just like, oh, we blew all the budget on Patrick Stewart for voice yes. acting. So just get whoever at this point. We've got four other people that we need to get the rest of the voices in here for. Yes, exactly. It's good. I like that. I'm okay with that. It's fun. Yeah. I guess it gives a flavor to the game that's Absolutely. unique to games. Yes. Do you have something feeling your sense of optimism, David? Uh, I do. What is it? It's when a, a story takes an unexpected left turn. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just, I'm always excited when you know i'm doing a certain thing for x number of hours in a game and then it's just like oh there's is actually something very different totally going different. on now for the rest <laughs> of the game yes uh, you've you're like a quarter of the way through the game is like oh no it's something different sorry yes i find that that is it's kind of a roll of the dice whether that's a a fun thing or a not so fun thing to, to yeah. happen in a game but either way it always is it always does keep me on my toes at the very mm-hmm. least and it gets me a little bit more excited about what is to come because if they're if they're changing things that dramatically this far into the game, anything could happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Also I'm with you. Also <laughs> relating to something we'll talk about in a second here. Yeah, I was I was wondering if that was a, a reference to this one. It is. Well, that's a that's a great transition. Why don't why don't we move on over to our main thing, David? Let's do it. Sweet. Hey, welcome to Good Games. It's the segment where we talk about the OKS games of yesteryear. <laughs> the jump scare. And uh, gush all the things that we love about them. It it was really a treat being able to jump scare other people last <laughs> week because I feel like you've gotten a little bit used to it. You wield this power with authority. Yeah, you. Yeah, I feel like even when you and I are just like hanging out in person, there's a little bit of you that's ready for a Good Games segment at the drop of a hat. <laughs> When's he going to do it? When's he going to do it? Always ready. Yeah, really, you you have stayed stayed awake on that one. Mm-hmm. So we got a uh, another listener suggestion that was made a little while ago, but it was too perfect considering the connection to 
Starbreeze Studios from last week. That is, of course, The Darkness, 2007's The Darkness. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was suggested to us by Cowboy Josh. Thank you, Cowboy Josh. Uh, just out of curiosity, did you play this game when it came out? I did. I got it off Gamefly. I think same. I had a weird experience with this game back, <laughs> back in the day. Okay, yeah. It was one of the first games where I was like, this is too violent for me. Interesting, really? Yeah, something about the the darkness eating the hearts really was not yes it was was too intense for me as a child and yeah it was strange because i was stoked on this game when i was seeing previews from like this is gonna be so cool so edgy it's so mid 2000s <laughs> yes um, yeah. i was ready for it and then i got it off gamefly and i played it for a bit i was like ah, i don't think this is for me yeah i was and i remember thinking to myself wow am i growing up <laughs> am, I am, am i maturing <laughs> which is so funny i like not to like show my hand too much here but like this game is so goofy and so weird yeah yeah going back it's very goofy game yeah which is it was sort of amazing uh but but here before we get too far though can i hit you with a few hot stats about this please hot stats hot stats the darkness uh this game came out june of 2007 which uh, for whatever reason i thought this was like a 2011 game but a little Mm. bit earlier than that yeah as suggested before it was made by starbreeze studio which uh made brothers a tale of two sons it's about your two sons, <laughs> it's about your two sons. as mentioned last week they also made the chronicles of riddick riddick game mm-hmm. they also made payday two and three so uh they made some video games absolutely i do have a review from joe video of the darkness that, I, that was originally in french and i ran it through a bunch of uh, google translates one language uh into another eventually mangling it and spitting it back out in english uh, to get an artist's interpretation of their their thoughts about this game, uh, which I will read for you now. For fans of plays like The Riddict, Maximum Painful, and The Nasty, <laughs> ignorance is ease. The gameplay is clean, and the AI is amazing, and the game doesn't suffer from lag or frustration. But at the end of the game, go to the shadows, and after a few hours, use your powers in the dark. However, little is known about these important questions. And they gave that a 16 out of 20. Why is your video so good? <laughs> it's it's kind of fucked up, right? Like, they just really know how to put the right amount of stink on it to, to really, I don't know, they, they, they just do it so right. What game were they talking about that translated to the nasty? The nasty. What game kn- is that? I knew that one was going to sort of spin us off our train tracks right there. I didn't hear most of the rest of the review because I was just... Reeling from the nasty. Sure. Like Riddick. Okay. That makes yeah, sense. Uh-huh. Maximum painful. Maximum Max, painful. Max pain. Funny. Max pain. Great. The nasty. <laughs> what the fuck video game is that? <laughs> Maximum painful is definitely the final evolution of Max pain. <laughs> that is when Hideo took over the, the, the IP and changed it into something else. <laughs> no, he is maximum painful now. Painful to the max. The nasty is so good. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> the nasty. Uh, I need to make some cover art for that. I don't know what, what game cover is going to go behind it, but do we need something. To, do we need to get Scout on this? I was, that's exactly where my brain went to, too. Scout, please help. Can we get, can we get Riddick, Maximum Painful, and the nasty on a, on a cover <laughs> together? We're just turning Scout into a awful mid-2000s video game artist. going to message me back and be like, hey, my rates have climbed a lot yeah, since I'm, the last time. <laughs> I am a, I am an artist with integrity, please. Could you explain to me what the darkness is, David? I, I can. Cool. Yes, the darkness is a 
first-person shooter with also a lot of stealth elements and some supernatural powers thrown in there for good measure, because why not? Mm -hmm. Um, Where you play the role of Jackie Estacado, a (laughs) uh, mob hitman who then gets a hit put out on him uh, on his 21st birthday. But very coincidentally, on his 21st birthday, all the firstborn men in his family get a superpower that's actually a curse, really, uh, Mm -hmm. that gives them spooky tentacle shadows that abuse him and can eat people's hearts and things like that and give them superpowers in the dark called the darkness i guess Uh yeah and so you go through this game as this character grappling with this and trying to right the wrongs that have happened from the hit that was placed on him by his former adoptive uncle who is the head yeah. of the mob. And the game also is, interestingly enough, a, a somewhat open area. It's so strange. Uh, I was but, not expecting that yeah, at all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did not remember that bit at all, which was an interesting an interesting choice. Interesting mm-hmm. choice. Felt more like a flex than anything else, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. was 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 welcome, I guess. But yeah, I think, think that's pretty much the game in a nutshell. Do you have anything else to add? No, I think you got it. I feel like this game is flirting with being an immersive sim, but is really not. Mm-hmm. Same. I had the same I thought. Feel like, yeah, like there's kind of a tangibility to it in the way that you see an immersive sims but like it's mostly a shooter most of the things you're doing is shooting yeah it's like they give you a lot of different options of routes you can take or stealth but it usually ends in you chomping some dudes with your darkness powers (laughs) yes yeah yeah being a little slithery eel yeah no you got it so i had played i think i had rented this as well and i played up until the point where i think you probably eat your first heart as yeah. the darkness. Mm-hmm. And I think I was like, I think I'm good on this at the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I stopped so close. It's like the meme of the dude who's like <laughs> like a miner or something like that. Uh-huh. And there's a bunch of diamonds on one side and it's like, you got to keep going, dude. You never know what's <laughs> right around the corner. Because like the game is, it is so one thing right before that. And then it turns into a bunch of other shit that is to me amazing. Mm-hmm. I'd actually love to read what Cowboy Josh uh, said about this first because I sure. think that most of my read on it is pretty in line with his and so it'll kind of inform the discussion. He said, yes, okay, so I think about uh, what I love about the darkness is that we've seen uh, so many instances of a game's ambition clashing with the reality of what the studio is able to deliver and I think this is definitely one of them. A lot of the times that disconnect is detrimental but I think this is one of those cases where the grandness of the vision actually elevates the game beyond its ugly graphics and janky gameplay and the whole thing becomes more than the sum of its parts. Uh, he said like watching a low-budget community theater play, which I think is, I aped that a second ago. Maybe you can see the seams <laughs> in the sets yeah. and may, maybe the acting isn't even very good, but everyone involved is giving it 110% Absolutely. to try to tell you a good story. I usually think of games of being on a sort of spectrum between commerce and art and the darkness feels like art to me. I believe the devs seriously wanted to pull me in and make me feel uh, some feelings. It feels mm-hmm. passionate. I agree to all of yeah, that. I, I think that's a pretty good read on it because like it is janky The voice acting is quote unquote bad, Mm -hmm. but there's so much of it that I was just, I had like a shit eating grin on my face when I was playing a lot of this game. Yeah. It's fun for a very specific campy reasons. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I loved the part where he is in just the darkness in these (laughs) cutscenes. It's the best part of the game. It's the best part of the game. Just always, if you go, you (laughs) do a loading screen, you go to a different area. He has a monologue with just some crazy, Italian like euphemisms for things. Yes, yeah. uh, That he just spits out of nowhere that are just totally irreverent. If there's one untouchable in this business, it's Butcher Joyce. You put out a hit on some guy, Butcher flushes his body. No one's ever the wiser. 
Butcher knows everyone's business. But what keeps him alive is that he never, ever chooses a side. Yeah. Too bad there's a war coming. <laughs> then there was one where, and they usually are doing like some interesting camera angles. There's one yes, where they're yeah. just shooting his back. It's just the back of his head and his back. <laughs> and you're just looking at his trench coat. And oh, mm-hmm. by the way, this guy looks like the Italian version of Chris Angel. He looks like Chris Angel. He looks like Nathan Explosion from Metalocalypse. <laughs> like just like very long, exceptionally black hair. He's like a very yep. skinny dude in like a black trench coat. Uh huh. He's also the oldest looking twenty-one-year-old I've ever oh seen my in my life. He looks like he's in his forties for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like when I heard I was twenty-one, I was like, "What? This is not this a twenty-one-year-old. Like, this kid. This kid should look like youthful. This guy looks like he's seen some shit." Right. Oh man. Also, I I love the attack accents that they have in the game yeah amazing and i put the subtitles on and one time a guy says jesus and they spelled <laughs> I, it i remember that they yeah, spelled J-E-Z. it j-e-e-z-i-s <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> which i really appreciated the subtitles trying to convey the accent of yes. this of this individual saying this uh so it's just shit like that that really makes this game a joy to experience truly yeah the the monologues are so fucking good. I was really not expecting that. Uh-huh. And like I I think that that's a th- right. they're so fucking good. Like it feels like I think that there were similar similar like interstitial parts of Max Payne mm-hmm. where like between levels you would get Max Payne sort of like talking about how fucked up everything was. Yeah. And I feel like I remember those being taken very seriously. I don't know if that's how it would be if i replayed max Payne now Mm -hmm. but like god like the community theater part of it feels so appropriate in those moments where jackie's just like so anyway when i was younger i got adopted (laughs) by my uncle Vinny, and like it's so ridiculous like here's the backstory all right yeah like (laughs) i was so shocked he didn't like break into song at a certain point or something like that it felt like it was right on the tip of his tongue The Italian version of It's a Hard Knock Life starts playing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and like after you got done like tearing out someone's heart with your your darkness powers and shooting up a bunch of other mobsters <laughs> and he's like my uncle's always had the best pasta. Like, what the fuck is going on here? It's so ridiculous. Also, for the first, like, quarter of the game, he does not acknowledge the fact no. <laughs> that he has these weird tentacle powers all not of a sudden. All. It yes. just happens, and he's like, okay, I guess this is my life now. Yeah. Uh, let's go use these things somehow <laughs> to rip people's hearts out and fulfill my vengeance. It is so wild. Yeah, does does um, not does not even acknowledge it. He's, like, hanging out with his girl girlfriend in their apartment just yes. like everything's normal he's still more concerned that he has a hit out on him from his uncle not that he <laughs> yes. has like some supernatural primordial force coursing yeah. through his body at this point <laughs> a well it's, a well-adjusted man or a broken man one of the two yeah he's either like really he's figuring it out and he's like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna be okay here yeah. or just totally distraught but honestly the way he talks about it there's a lot of self-awareness in jackie and so like mm-hmm. i sort of it, am on the side that the the game just thinks he's dealing with it. He's just like, ah, he's he's dealing with it. Yeah, he'll be fine. Like, I, I feel like there was like a one, two, three, four punch that the game pulled on me with like right after you get the darkness powers. And I was like, OK, like, here we go. Here's the here's the part of the game that I was expecting. Mm-hmm. It like you almost immediately have a monologue, which I was like, OK, now we're in. <laughs> now we're doing this shit. 
<laughs> then I like went behind some like alleyway and I, I picked up this like burlap sack and a sword. I'm like, what is that for? Like, I, mm. I have no idea what the fuck that is. Um, cause I looked in my inventory and doesn't say like Jackie can equip equipment. And I was like, yeah. okay. Anyway, the very next part of the game is that it introduces, you can summon these little like g- hell goblins. <laughs> And weird sure little guys, enough, weird little guys. Sure enough, one of them pops out with a burlap sack and a sword out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they let me dress these guys up before I even knew. And this dude just crawls out of hell and is like, yeah. I'm going to go kill some guys. <laughs> this is uh-huh. not the video game I thought it was. <laughs> they also describe those those imps as like fashionistas. <laughs> Did you see that part? I didn't know. Where it, you know, if you go into the menu and you yeah. like go to the part where you can equip different outfits for them, mm-hmm. it talks about them as being like the biggest fashionistas in in, in oh, hell or the underworld. God. And they love to wear like the latest fashions. It's wild. <laughs> it's so amazing. It's really really good. It's a goofy game. It's a game that is has the veneer of the of the mid to mid to late two thousands kind of edginess, yes. but then underneath is still like, hey, we're just still a wacky little game. It's so strange, yeah, because like the. The, all the hallmarks of a mid-2000s game are here, right? Like, the the color palette is dark green, dark brown, and black. Yeah. There's, like, right at the beginning, there's a couple of, like, really outdated uses of language in a way that kind of took me off guard. Um, the, some, be- like, <laughs> the beginning is wild. It's so strange. A couple of, like, ableist slurs, I guess. Yeah. Which, initially, I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, that was when I was, like, kind of expecting this game to be what it was Mm -hmm. and then it kind of doesn't do that anymore which i was really relieved about and really like leans into the almost like i swear to you it felt like oblivion was set in new york city (laughs) like some of these people you walk up to them and they're just like looking in two different directions and they're like jackie hello i need to tell you about this weird thing going on Mm -hmm. what the fuck is this Mm -hmm. this guy down in the subway isn't letting me sing Exactly. That go, is a real go, side go intimidate him for me. It's a real side quest. It's really amazing. Like the the shooting is so wonky and feels borderline. It's, border not, it's bad. It's not bad. good. It's not good. But like every time I got finished with a fight, I'm like, all right, good. Here we go. Here's the good shit. Here's the <laughs> right, good now part we can get game. back to the real game. <laughs> yeah. Let's go talk to some weirdos. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I've like I, I was so excited whenever a little nameplate popped up on the bottom <laughs> of an M, of an NPC because I'm like, oh, they yes, named a lot of these these people. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's really good. I was always excited because I was like, cool, they got something to say. I'm excited mm-hmm. for whatever they're about to drop on me. Right. So based on your your plot twist, I'm assuming you got to the part of the game where the setting changes quite a bit. Yeah, all of a sudden you were in like a hellscape. World War One hellscape. Yes, which that part of it I found really interesting in the twist. I don't love how they set that up, but like yeah. the like uh, to just I mean I guess spoilers if if you haven't played this game and, and want to play it. But your girlfriend Jenny, 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 yeah, you've been hanging out with her the whole game. She's got like I'm gonna die character written all over her because she is too good very, for this world. Do good, uncomplicated. Doesn't really seem like a lot of things are gonna happen with her character. Mm-hmm. And she gets taken hostage and uh, killed, which is what prompts your sort of like transition to the other world. Gets killed um, in front of Jackie while the right. darkness is like keeping him from holding him. him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which like is is a swerve, but like feels like it's kind of relying on a trope of like Jenny is just here for as a plot device. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, which wasn't amazing. And like, I, I wish that they had treated her a little bit better because like I, I, I liked Jenny. She seemed cool. Like mm-hmm. she's very involved in the plot and uh, had like apparently grown up in the same orphanage that jackie had Mm -hmm. 
And so like, I feel like there was a lot of depths to plumb there. Yeah. And they kind of just didn't after that. Well, this is based off a comic book, isn't it? I had looked this up. I think what had happened was that they had built this game and I think just released a comic before the game came out. Okay. Um, So I think the comic may have been like made in conjunction with the video game. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Because yeah, it it might make sense that like if that was the lore and they were kind of swerving on how to get there, it might be like, well, that kind of came out of nowhere. Through it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So to promote the game, a five issue comic book miniseries retelling the game entitled The Darkness uh, colon level by writers (laughs) Paul Jenkins and David Wall was released December 2006 to June 2007. Uh, and then it was collected into a trade paperback that year. So yeah, it was mostly like promotional rather than gotcha. it being based okay. on a comic. Yeah. Got it, got it. So yeah, like that that actual setup, I, I find kind of like trite and a bit of a bummer, just like as far as like how you treat the women characters in your game. Yeah. And the transition into this like World War One hell is pretty, pretty wild. Like I was not mm-hmm. expecting that swerve at all. No, same. It was unexpected, but also yes. got me a little bit more interested back into the game yeah uh because i mean the, like the city is like we're talking about how it's it's kind of an open world immersive sim type of area mm-hmm. the city is not like what is drawing me into this game and there is something yeah. about like traversing a subway system in games that i just <laughs> don't find enjoyable personally yeah. i don't I, it, like if you're going to make an open area game let me explore the city as opposed to just plunging into the like the nasty depths of a, of a subway system <laughs> Although sure. I did enjoy some of the the weirdos that you would find in there, and the oh, people, amazing. the the dancers who were not dancing at all on the like through the hip hop <laughs> music, yeah, that was funny. They were just standing around the piece of cardboard, no one twirling, no one doing yes. any any break dancing, just standing around it. It looks bobbing. like they were about to start dancing, but they never did. <laughs> exactly, I thought that yeah. was great. But I, I was excited to explore a different area, which was which was fun. Yeah. Essentially, the the game's conceit is that it is taking you back to like when the darkness got a hold of your family. Yeah. Your great, great grandfather, Tony Estacado. Yeah. Who's like there in Mm -hmm. hell. And he's like, yeah, I guess like in World War One, I got a hold of the darkness. Mm-hmm. which like that's cool i like that that's a, it's, it's a neat conceit for like what has happened here and actually putting you into that history is pretty neat mm-hmm. and like it, it's it's just such a different place physically that you're right like i was also like okay i'm kind of like tiring of the same location mm-hmm and then they just throw you into something that is absolutely not even close to the same thing, which is like, yeah. all right, here we go. I'm back in. Yeah. And I, well, and it was fun in that it did become a little bit more immersive simmy in that you had to use mm-hmm. your powers, your two different powers that you had at that time to yeah. kind of get through these small environmental puzzles. Mm-hmm. And there's still really only one way to get through it, but it was just a different a different way of, of playing the game in between all the shooting. Totally. It's, it's so bizarre that this and Death Stranding both have like World War One as their imagery of hell mm-hmm. which like it sounds like a pretty terrible place overall but it's really fascinating that they they've arrived at the same conclusion here i mean have you seen what is it they will not grow old yes yeah <laughs> Oof, my goodness but tough yeah i mean it's a, it's a pretty hellish time yeah no definitely trench warfare sounds awful it just sounds like the pits yeah so i'm not like surprised that that that, that has come up but it, it's it was kind of shocking to me when i got there i was like oh is death stranding did this too that's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was also pretty excited about that. Essentially, you're, the conceit of why you're down there is that you're kind of trying to tame the darkness mm-hmm. and in so like kind of disobeying what it is asking you to do, which is neat. Yeah. And like, I, I don't think the game like nails this theme, but 
it it's like talking about like you know inner darkness and sort of like the the darker feelings and thoughts that anybody has to deal with mm-hmm. when they're walking through life and being able to actually harness that and make that something that you know how to like handle is is cool right like it speaks to similar tones that like celeste ends up hitting or something like that where it is i'm going to embrace this part of myself yeah again i don't i don't think it's really ever that on the nose with it because mm-hmm. like the the darkness is always a big slithery monster in this game like it's always yeah. that mm-hmm. but I, I i i think you can have it both ways i think it this game is is showing you that and also kind of you know not even subtly but just saying like yeah like jackie talks about it like have you ever been scared to show someone your darkness or anything mm-hmm. like that like mm-hmm. it's it's definitely a 2007 take on that but yeah. like I, I don't hate that i, I think that that was pretty neat mm-hmm. no I, d- I do like that it's a uh, trying to say something about people's darkness that is inside of them right sure and now you must reckon with that to be a whole a whole human yeah 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 that 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 part was that part was more interesting i guess and then think about it that way before that's good yeah but yeah the best part about these games is jackie's monologue that's not, not even a question. <laughs> this game almost feels like it's uh, Venom and Morbius had a baby. I, yeah, I, I wrote that down that like it's not not Venom is what's going on. It's here. definitely like, Venom, but the main character looks like Morbius. <laughs> that's true. Apparently, uh, the student Mike Patton voiced the darkness, which is the singer of Faith No More. I don't know if anybody anybody out there is a big Faith No More head, but it's like a like a, he's a famous guy, uh, which is is fun. I, I think that the that part of the voice acting is pretty good. He he sounds venomy, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all. This is good. <laughs> it's just like that. It's Mike Patton. I just, I I I, th- I think my point there was just saying that like they they were doing a good job with making the darkness sound like a terrible hell monster i do feel like out of all the voice acting the darkness probably was the most on point with what it's supposed to be it was spooky it was slithery sounding yes it was otherworldly which i Mm -hmm. think all the voice acting sounded a little a little (laughs) otherworldly and it had a different effect whereas this was appropriate for for this game yeah yeah did you did you beat this game i didn't know no, I didn't get to the end either. I'm curious to see if they if they follow that thread of, you know, dealing with the darkness of yourself, of your family, mm-hmm. of war, right? Because, I mean, I think yeah. it's not a coincidence yeah. that World War One is where this darkness comes from, right? Totally. Yeah. Uh, so, I'd be curious to see how that all got wrapped up or if they even wrapped that up or if it's just like, yeah, it's still a game. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I know that, like, I, I read through the plot and essentially what ends up happening is the darkness is like, hey, you, I, like, I'm going to take you over the more that you kill people. And Jackie had said, like, okay, because I got to go get Polly, his uncle. And at a certain point says, like, okay, just, like, take me over and let's do this. Mm-hmm. And he does eventually do that. And it, like, I, I haven't watched the ending cutscene, but the, the wiki says... Uh, the darkness reveals in Jackie's murderous or uh, revels in Jackie's murderous beat and fully envelops Jackie. Mm. And then there's an epilogue where Jackie is dreaming with like hanging out with Jenny. And so I'm unclear about like what that actually implies without watching it. Mm. But yeah, I, I feel like there there is room to kind of hit that that theme sure obviously like i i just don't think games were quite doing that yet they're thinking about it they were definitely thinking about it right like bioshock came out in 2007 so like they're trying to tell stories that are a little bit more like involved i suspect if this game came out now you might get that i think there is a lot more willingness and encouragement to sort of tackle stuff that is more thematic like that but yeah it's it's, it is interesting that that's here i feel like so much of the the games of that era were just like i don't know man bad guy's bad shoot him do it yeah which listen this game also does that but there's a little bit more a little bit more thematic stuff to plumb there yeah 
Well, cool. Do you have anything else to say about the darkness? It was very interesting going back on playing this game and comparing it to my first playthrough. Yes, yeah. Because with my adult lens, I'm like, this is just a very goofy, silly game that is trying yes. very hard to be very serious and dramatic. Mm-hmm. And I think what I picked up on as being a little over the top was the fact that the the arms will like look at you and like show you the heart when they eat it. And I'm just like, <laughs> yes. it just felt like it was reveling in that violence and that nastiness. Like, oh, look how edgy it is. We're eating yes. this heart and we're sharing it between us. Whereas now I'm just like, I totally just block it out. I'm like, okay, that's just that's nasty you're you're a couple nasty arms and this is just a a silly a silly game that is trying very hard to hit a mark yes and yes does feel like i think community theater is a great way of putting it It, it's not not dunking on community theater i actually like fucking love community theater i love going to see a a local a local stage play because it's different and people are passionate about it but it's it just has a different feel to it that is uniquely its own yeah totally and when you look at it through that lens of like kind almost like camp it it's it's different it's mm-hmm. different it made it a little yeah. more palatable for me as an adult yeah totally i i feel like it it took distance from this and i'm not sure if it's just like kind of my own nostalgia but like appreciation for this of having played it at the time but like it sure does hit different in a way that i can very much appreciate yeah and it's so hard to tell what that is until you're a little bit farther away from it mm-hmm. like it's hard for me to tell now what is like a campy video game you know sure unless it is just like so obvious mm-hmm. yeah gaming dude gaming uh yeah i had a good time with this one i i, I liked playing through this game Ab- absolutely same it was a good yeah. time. I was I got sucked in pretty good on by, by it, actually. Yeah, you no, know, there's a couple times where I was like hanging out and I was like, you know what I would love to play a little bit more of? The Darkness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's cool. Mm. Sign of a good game. Also, I was able to stream this game with my new gigabit internet. Amazing. It's amazing when that actually works. It worked beautifully. It was great. Yep. It, were, it yep. was so smooth. No problems at all. Future yeah. is now. Anyway, uh, yeah, good game. Thanks, uh, thanks for your suggestion, Cowboy Josh. Thank you, Cowboy Josh. Alright, if you would like to interact with this pod further or just visit a cool website, you can go to podtimism.com. You can see a backlog of all of our episodes, all the amazing podcast art that Chase Albee has made for the shows and the different episodes. Cool. Uh, you can type in a video game and look to see if we have talked about it in any of the past episodes. And you can mm-hmm. even suggest us to do anything. It could be a game. It could be a dance, as someone suggested recently anonymously. <laughs> um, so stay tuned for that on your social media feed. We'll do, we'll do, Chase will do the, the renegade dance on TikTok for you. Um, he's been practicing this, all week. This is not a true thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a couple of non-game suggestions recently. So uh, thank you for that. We will figure out how to do them. I'm excited for both of them, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it works. Um, but yeah, we will, we will see what we can do with that. If you want to help out the pod, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Mm-hmm. You can follow us on any of your catcher of choice, your your podcatcher of choice, mm-hmm. um, or you can spread the good word of optimism to a good friend of yours. Organic growth is a great way for us to grow. Yeah. Also, thank you, Scout Wilkinson, for the beautiful podcast art. We love it. We appreciate it. It's always puts a smile on my face when I see it. I don't know about you, Chase, uh, but that's what it does for me. <laughs> and lastly, thank you, dear listener, for being here and spending your time with us talking about games. It's great. Mm-hmm. We would do this regardless. So it's fun that other people want to join us. Uh, So yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate y'all being here. Chase, do you have any video game wisdom for the week? Monologue when you can. You know, 
If yeah. you're ever feeling, if you're ever feeling like you're not sure what what's going on, like turn the lights off, get one really cool looking spotlight, put your fucking sickest trench coat on, <laughs> and just like talk, you know. <laughs> Maybe have a, a cigarette, you know, just look cool. Cool AF. Yeah. Look cool and talk. But yeah, it's it's a good time. If you ain't logging, you're not trying. If you ain't logging, you ain't trying. Mm-hmm. Oh, like monologue. Yeah. <laughs> if you ain't logging, you ain't trying. Call me Kenny because I'm monologuing right now. <laughs> End of show. What am I supposed to do after that? <laughs> <laughs>